So Jennifer, I'll add this song over on my station, but I thought, you know, I could have it going in the background, and that would be cool. I love your music challenge, by the way. I know I haven't been very good about being on here lately, but when you first started it, I know I had something pretty much every uh, every Monday, and, and now I know it's just a weekly thing. But anyway, Hey Jude by The Beatles. I believe it came out in 1968. And when it came out, this is playing from Beatles The Love album, but when it came out, this was a single. And it was Apple Records, and there was a green apple on the label, and I remember it because it was probably like one of the first, I think one of the first um, pieces of music that my sister and I kind of agreed on together. And I wasn't really very old at the time, to be honest with you. But it's my first remembrance of a song that we listen to over and over and over again. Well, good morning and happy Friday, everyone. It's time for Koontz's Corner. Today's message, the real reason goals are so important. Hint, it's not what you think. Goals are a means to an end not the ultimate purpose of our lives. They are simply a tool to concentrate our focus and move us in a direction. The only reason we really pursue goals is to cause ourselves to expand and grow. Achieving goals by themselves will never make us happy in the long term. It's who you become as you overcome the obstacles necessary to achieve your goals that can give you the deepest and most long-lasting sense of fulfillment. Anthony Robbins Anthony Robbins, like so many other great speakers and change makers, is often referred to as a motivational speaker. And although motivation is a byproduct of his message, it's not the stated purpose of what he's trying to help people understand. His real message in all that he does lies in a little three-letter word called why. He is actually now finally becoming known for the work he does with helping others discover their why. The same question can be asked when setting a goal. Why bother? Why is it so important? Why does it matter so much? The answer is clearly stated in the line that reads, they are simply a tool to concentrate our focus and move us in a direction. Goals move us not just in any direction, but a predetermined desired direction. The growth and expansion we experience, which occurs as a result of our goals being set to start with, is really what goals are all about. When we create a compelling why, that really has true meaning for us, we are already halfway to the successful completion of the goal. When setting our next goal, instead of focusing so much on the desired outcome, let's focus instead on who we will need to become and what we will need to do in the pursuit of the goal, and then we will discover our individual why. The collective discovery is how entire movements are created. The collective discovery of a group of individuals is what leads to great ideas and accomplishments. 
overcoming the inevitable obstacles almost guaranteed to appear in our path as we seek to achieve and accomplish, this is what real success is all about. It's not so much about what we actually do or achieve. It's about who and what we become in the process that makes setting goals so powerful. So, what audacious goal would you like to achieve? What amazing goal can we achieve together? What and who will we become in the process? Are you ready to become fulfilled? Are we? Think big because together almost anything becomes possible. Believe completely, dare greatly, achieve accordingly, make it an incredibly amazing day. Wishing each and every one of you the very best as you set the goals for your life that will help you become all that you're capable of. Take care, everybody. Happy Friday. So Miss Debbie's got a great conversation going about formulas. You know, most of us have a formula for this and a formula for that, and we've got rules and, you know, all our different ideas about how things might be, and she's inviting us to call in and participate. And I decided that I would do that, but I want to take this a step further. I'm going to post this to my station as well, and hopefully someone will run, in it, run into it here on my station, but please pop over to Debbie's station and answer her there. Answer the question that she poses. And as I submitted, we can only ever do our best. You know, if we know in our heart that we've done our best, that's all there is. And then you just have to have faith that that's going to be enough. So anyway, listen to the entire segment or series here, I actually should say, with uh, Debbie's question and my call-in and her intro and outro. It's actually quite fascinating. So thanks, everybody. Have a great, great weekend. Debbie, this is a quick call-in for you regarding formulas for life, in particular the one that you shared about parents and being good parents or bad parents. And Wow, that's all subjective, as you very well know. And what determines good and what determines bad? I mean, and there are certainly extremes, and we could talk about those. But I'm talking about just generally good parents that are doing the very best they can and understanding that children don't come with instruction books and that most people are making the most informed decisions that they can at the time based on all the information that they have at the time and then understanding that we can only ever do the best with what we know and what we have and then we have to kind of trust that that's enough and in my personal case I can tell you that we went through this with my daughter and she drifted away but the core values that we instilled in her brought her back to us so just know that whatever you've done I'm sure it's enough. Take care. Hello, Bobby. So nice to hear your voice today in a call into my station. Thank you so much for doing that. So I just published it and uh, did a little lead into it and a little outro of it, um, of uh, my interpretation of what you said. And, and I also used your call in uh, in my podcast. I'm doing a podcast, Homeschooling with Inquiry, and uh, I included you in that. So I really want to thank you for calling in and contributing to the conversation. It helps enrich it. It helps deepen it. 
my it helps deepen even my own understanding of what I'm saying. I just love it when people contribute, and uh, I love the uh, back and forth. So I just want to thank you so much again, and and invite you anytime you want to call in and contribute and challenge me or to encourage me, whichever you feel called to do. And uh, just have yourself a wonderful day, Bobby. Oh, thank you. So James was kind enough to publish my call-in, so I thought I'd go ahead and share it here on my channel. And the thing about James is, as I expressed, it's not just one call-in or two, and he calls in when something strikes his fancy, and one day it's music, and another day it's my Kunz's Corner, and another time it might just be him checking in to say hello, like he checked in on the 4th of July, just, uh, just to say hi. And he's just been such a great ambassador for the Anchor platform. So that was why I called into his station. I really wanted him to know just how much he's appreciated. So I thought I'd share that call in with you guys. I hope everybody's having an amazing Friday, getting ready for an awesome and incredible weekend. Wishing you nothing but the very best. Take care. Hey, James. Listen, buddy, it's Bobby, and I just wanted to take a minute to call into your station and just tell you how much you're appreciated. You know, I was speaking the other day about just Jennifer and how she's an anchor ambassador. And what I want you to know, my friend, is that you're an anchor ambassador as well. You are always so gracious with taking the time to share people's stuff out, to call into people's stations, to let people know how you're doing. And I just wanted to commend you for that. I just wanted to take a minute and tell you how much and how special it is that you do things the way you do, that you take the time to express yourself the way you do. So just me saying thank you, my friend, just me expressing my gratitude for everything that is James Fershweiler, DJ J.D. James. Thank you very much, my friend. Take care. So it's time for a little Friday afternoon music fest, which uh, I think is kind of cool. And I just played five songs in a row that are just the kind of songs that are really cool to listen to pretty much any time, but definitely on a Friday afternoon. And then coming up right now, right behind this brief introduction, is going to be five songs from Project 365 Music. I've really enjoyed following and listening to all of the creations of Project 365 Music. So here's a little five-song set coming up for all of you right here on my station. Happy Friday. So I think by now, everyone that's ever heard my station probably knows that I multi-source content. I look for content everywhere. I scour the web. I use YouTube, I create my own content based upon the quotes that I find that speak to me. And then today's content, this little piece of information that I'm sharing here, comes to you from success. In the success.com or on the success.com website, there's more information than you could ever consume in a lifetime. This little piece is on motivational quotes. This popped up in my inbox today. 11 motivational quotes for success. 
potent passages that inspire these top entrepreneurs. And here's what it says. When life gets tough, we all turn to a favorite quote for perspective and inspiration. Here are 11 memorable quotes to inspire and guide your next level of success. I'm certainly not going to cover all 11. That would be silly. But I am going to read the first one. And it says the following. Wish for more. During my third year playing in the NFL for the New England Patriots, I suffered a torn groin during a game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. After my third season-ending injury, I started to wish things were different. Then I read Jim Rohn's quote. And as you all know, Jim Rohn is my mentor, my all-time favorite. And here's what he said, and I've shared this before. Jim Rohn said in his quote, Don't wish it was easier. Wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems. Wish for more skills. Don't wish for less challenges. Wish for more wisdom. And then it says, It transformed my mindset. When life happens, we can choose to be the victim or the victor. We can run from failures or use them to catapult our dreams to successes. As an entrepreneur, you're faced with changing landscapes daily, both wanted and unwanted. Your mindset and your passion for improving every day through consistent action and execution separate mediocrity from excellence. At my current firm, he says, I'm sorry, at my current firm, M2 Jets, we aim to embody excellence and have created a culture where we live by the mantra, without exception. And that's by Brett Lockett, former NFL player, entrepreneur, and senior partner of M2 Jets, private luxury travel, wealth management, and financing for high net worth individuals. So I'm going to include the link so you can check out each of the other 10 quotes that sit here from a variety of great, great individuals. Um, Paul Meyer, quote on perseverance here, that someone heard Steve Jobs share, setting the trend, Winston Churchill's success quote, being humble, all kinds of great information here. I think you guys will really appreciate this. Like I said, I'll include the link. No excuses, only outcomes. Former GE executive Jack Welch said. So anyway, without further ado, I'll say goodbye and leave you the link. Take care. So in the link to the success article that I just shared, in that first quote, there's a segment that's a hot link. It says, catapult our dreams to successes. And if you just tap on that hot link, this is what I love about success and so many other platforms nowadays with their integrated content. If you tap on that hot link, you'll be looking at another piece of information created by Chris Widener, personal development section, goal setting, seven steps to achieve your dream. And it says, want to get going on your goals? This is how. Chris Widener. This was created back on February 8th, 2017. I'll include the link for this one as well. 
And what it says is this, vision is the spectacular that inspires us to carry out the mundane. Let me repeat that. That's a powerful one. Vision is the spectacular that inspires us to carry out the mundane. Chris Widener. You know, most of, <laughs> most of the work we do, most of the things that we have to do, well, I use that term loosely because everything's a choice. But many of us must work in jobs that we don't always enjoy. If you're fortunate, if you're lucky enough to find something you really enjoy, then that's miraculous. But many of us have responsibilities to take care of, families to feed, children to take care of, college to plan for, and on and on. So while you're doing what you must do or what you have to do to make ends meet while you're pursuing your dreams and goals, just remember that part of that process is finding information that can help you with the mundane, to help you create a spectacular vision of all that's possible while you're carrying out the mundane. Here's his question. Can achievement be broken down into steps? It isn't always that clean and easy, but those who achieve great things usually go through much of the same process with many of the items listed below as part of that process. So if you've been struggling with achievement, look through the following, begin to apply them, and you will be on the road to achieving your dream. So these are the seven steps to achieve your dream. I'm just going to go through the highlight here, and I'll include the link for anybody that wants to go deeper. What I want you to know is there are hot links built into each and every one of these steps that you can click on and jump out to more content. First step, step number one, dream it. Step two, believe it. Step three, see it. Step four, tell it. Step five, plan it. Step six, work it. And then step seven, enjoy it. When you have reached your goal and you are living your dream, be sure to enjoy it. In fact, enjoy the trip too. Give yourself some rewards along the way. Give yourself a huge reward when you get there and help others enjoy it. Be gracious and generous. Use your dream to better others. Then go back to number one and dream a little bit bigger this time. Remarkable stuff. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Oh, yeah. You guessed it. Can you hear the music? Can you hear the music in the background? Let me turn it up just a little bit. That's celebration. Yep, that means it's celebration time. It's time to celebrate a call-in. A call-in from Project 365 Music. Now, for those of you who've been following my station for a while, you know that I put a little piece of Project 365 Music out there, oh, I don't know, every other day or day after or you know, once a week at least at a minimum. And when Project 365 was posted on a regular basis, uh, I think I was putting stuff up every day. There's a little song called Lonely Whale, as a matter of fact. I recommend jumping over to Spotify and seeing if you can't find Project 365 Music or Fusion 
and finding the song Lonely Whale, or I might be kind enough to just add it here after the fact. Yeah, I think that's what I'll do. Anyway, celebrate this call-in with me from Project 365 Music, who's in New York City right now, and I think actually had the opportunity to meet with one of the anchor crew today. Can you imagine a better platform for someone who is a creative artist that wants to do nothing but bring great music to the radio waves than Anchor? I mean, after all, isn't Anchor free radio of the people, for the people, and by the people? Well, I know that's what it used to be, at least, and I think it still is, right? Isn't it what we make it? Aren't these stations actually what we make them? And now with the new features, right, with being able to create uh, s- the segments that are going to be captured for all intents and purposes forever, really, if you think about it, or the podcast that you want to create for yourself, I'm thinking that Anchor and Project 365 Music are coming back together at a time that makes for a phenomenal opportunity for both of them. Because the music coming out of the station, coming out of the channel from Project 365 is wide-ranging. All kinds of different stuff. If you like the dance beat, then you got that. If you like progressive, you got that. If you like, um, well, I talked about Lonely Whale earlier. If you like music like Lonely Whale. If you like Chill Step. Um, it's just such a broad range of really cool sounds pulled together into just incredible arrangements of sheer awesomeness. That's the only way I can describe it. Anyway, celebrate this calling with me from Project 365. I went on way too long. That's three minutes. That's more than enough. I'm out. What's up, Bobby? This is uh, 365 Music, and I just wanted to call into your station and let you know you're crushing it on the mixes today. Great choices, including Project 365. I always appreciate you echoing it out there, man. Just hoping more people hear it, share the love, score the soundtracks to their lives. And uh, I'll be checking in with your station. I'm back here on Anchor for good. This is the time. All right, have a great weekend, man. We'll talk soon. I'll keep posting. Oh, thank you. Dr. Tracy Brown, it is great to hear from you. What an interesting topic, right? Leadership. And the challenge, I think, with writing anything in the leadership space is there are so many who have come before you who have written just incredible pieces, incredible works about all of the varying different aspects of leadership. With that said, in my humble opinion... One of the topics that's left out over and over and over again in great leadership books is the topic of fear. At the root of everything, in my humble opinion, is the fear of inadequacy. The fear of, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I haven't done enough research, I whatever, fill in the blank. If you address that, you're on your way. As I expressed earlier today, my goal is to source content from many different places. This next piece of audio and video via the link is from Tom Bilyeu, Impact Quotes, entitled, or titled I should say, not entitled, 
Entitled is a feeling. Well, that's a different discussion. Anyway, titled Leap into the Extraordinary. Here we go. There are truly great people in this world. And one of the greatest people that this world has ever known, Nelson Mandela, said, it always seems impossible until it's done. And that's the thing about greatness. That's the thing about achievement. That's the thing about setting your sights on something and actually accomplishing it. Not only is it going to seem impossible, there's going to be a voice inside your head screaming that it is in fact impossible. And that voice is going to be echoed by virtually everyone you know outside telling you that it's simply impossible. It's not that they don't love you. In fact, they're telling you that precisely because they love you. They don't want to drag you down. They want to lift you up. They want to see great things happen for you, but they can't see it. They can't see the vision. And that's what makes you you. You're able to see something that other people can't see. And in that, if you can ignore the voice inside of you, if you can meet with compassion and empathy the people who will live their entire lives in total blindness to opportunity because all they have ever tasted is fear, then you'll be able to accomplish something. You'll be able to find the things that other people can't find because you've worked on building a mind that is truly extraordinary because it is able to see things that don't exist. It's able to create things that don't exist. It's able to look beyond the impossible and seeing that for what it is, a mindset and a mindset that can be changed. As William Shakespeare said, cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never tasted death but once. And that's how you have to be. You have to believe in yourself. You have to know that no matter what comes your way, the only thing that you will not forgive yourself for is cowardice. The only thing that you will detest in yourself, that you will find disgusting inside of you, is if you look at the impossible and accept it as that. The biggest mistake that you could make isn't to say something is possible when it's not. The biggest mistake you could make is to say something's impossible before you know that to be true. And that's what you have to focus on, is knowing that no matter how bleak and terrifying it looks, no matter how impossible that fearful voice inside your head may want you to believe that it is, that's the cowardice. And you've got to be willing to push through. It's okay to have the voice, but it's not okay to listen to it. As Ray Bradbury said, the best scientist is open to experience and begins with romance. The idea that nothing is impossible. That's where you have to find. That's where you have to tap into. You have to click over and find that beautiful thing. Fear is something that you move away from. It isn't the thing that drives you forward. Fear only pushes you away. But beauty, finding that thing that you want to create, knowing what your life's mission is, knowing that you have purpose, and knowing that you will fight through whatever it takes to reach that purpose, that you will acquire the skills that you need to do, that you will endure suffering, that you will do all that is demanded of you in order to get to the other side, in order to sculpt yourself, create yourself, make yourself into something new, something that is hard, something that is tough, something that can push past that, something that refuses to embody cowardice, something that hears the voice and does not listen, something that pushes forward and knows, even though it seems impossible, I can see a world where it's possible and I can see a world where I'm the one that made that happen. 
but it starts with belief. It starts with believing in yourself. It starts with pushing through the cowardice. It starts with taking control of who you are and who you can be. So push through, because on the other side of that weak voice is the person you were meant to be. And that, my friends, is Tom Bilyeu. And if you don't know Tom Bilyeu from Quest Nutrition and Impact Theory, then here's my highest recommendation to take the time to make it part of your daily viewing, your daily listening, and watch your life change in front of your eyes. Okay, so here comes an incredible piece of audio from Marissa Peer when she was at the Mind Valley event, A-Fest. And she did her piece on the biggest disease affecting humanity, I'm Not Enough, by Marissa Peer. Here we go. I'm going to give you today a crash course in how to run your brain for phenomenal, phenomenal success. I have been extraordinarily lucky, not in my early life, but certainly in my adult life, because I am an unusual therapist. I, I never want to be a conventional therapist, ever. And I've always been fascinated by how the mind works. You know, I spent all my adult life studying human behavior, studying how the mind works. And when you work with people like that, you really see something extraordinary, often very good, but sometimes really how their mind works is actually to their detriment. So when I was in therapy school, I was taught what all therapists are taught. Oh my God, the mind is so complicated. It takes a lifetime to even understand it, let alone master it. And when I started working, I thought, you know what, I'm just not going to believe that because I was so privileged in working with extraordinary people. I worked out very quickly that you need to know three things about your brain. And if you know what these three things are, and here they are, and if you understand them and put them into practice, you can have pretty much whatever you want. So I'm going to start with number three. That is the one that therapists find the most frustrating. Your mind loves what is familiar. It doesn't really like what is unfamiliar. We're still wired as tribes people. And in a tribe, you didn't really do anything too unfamiliar. That was dangerous. So the human mind likes what is familiar, and it doesn't like what is unfamiliar. Do you know how many lottery winners have lost all their money within two years of winning it? I met this guy, I was doing a show in Edinburgh with lottery winners who've lost everything. He won 10 million sterling, lost the whole lot in two years, works in a biscuit factory, makes 200 pounds a week and said he's happier. He didn't like that money. What was familiar to him was spending his paycheck every week. And when he got that 10 million, he got rid of the whole lot. So you got to make the familiar unfamiliar. It's not difficult. It changes your life. So I'm working on this show in England, and I'm taking celebrities who are very fat, 
and I'm making them thin. And of course, weight is an interesting thing. Do you know that 98% of diets fail? 2% succeed. And so some of these celebrities, we gave them everything. Dietitians, exercise machines, a little bit of weight, and then they'd have a pizza to celebrate. After every weigh-in, they'd order ice cream. It's like, no, 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 guys. You've got to make this new behavior familiar. You can't celebrate with Ben and Jerry's. Anyway, the show is very good, and it got sold to America, and I got sold to America. Very exciting. So I've gone to L.A., and my producers called me and went, I really need your help. We, one of our major celebrities, because in America they were bigger in terms of stars, and they were bigger in terms of weight too. He said, he's having a meltdown. We're really worried he's going to walk off the show. If he walks off the show, we're kind of screwed. So go to his house today and do whatever you can. Keep him on the show. I'm like, I'll, I'll go now. He's like, uh, what kind of car have you got? I'm like, I got a Mustang. You rented it for me. Thank you. He's like, okay, you cannot put that Mustang outside his house. You can only have a Porsche or a Ferrari or a Jaguar outside this house. So don't even put it on the street. That will wind him up. Put it around the corner. So I'm driving along to Beverly Hills in my, I thought, very cool Mustang. And I turn up at this, like, massive, extraordinarily stunning house. I knock on the door. He lets me in. He says, um... I don't know why they sent some Brit here to sort me out. You know, I've been in every rehab. I've been every, I've seen every therapist. No one can help me. I'm like, let me see what I can do. And then he said to me, you have the look of my third wife. Something about you reminds me. She was such a disappointment to me. So I'm like, this is an amazing house. Wow. We went, I hate this house. I'm leaving. And I hate my neighbors. I'm moving. So I'm like, okay. And then I notice he has a BAFTA. And I'm like, you have a BAFTA? He went, do you know what a curse it is to get a BAFTA? Every time I make a film, I'm expected to get another BAFTA. So I'm like, you know what? I know what's wrong with you. He's like, really? What? What? I said, you just don't think you're enough, do you? Oh, wait, this is already up for you. You do not think that you are enough. And Well, there you go. You heard her say it. And it goes on. And then it gets really good from there. I hope you're intrigued. <laughs> Yeah, here we go again. Here we go again. That's right. It's time to celebrate another call-in for me. From guess who? Guess who? Georgie D. Now, Georgie D has another name. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. But she does. She has another name. Do, do you guys know what Georgie D's other name is? No? You, are you saying no, you don't know? Okay, so I'm not going to spoil that. I'm just going to tell you that she's like some kind of, some kind of an overlord. I'm just saying. And she has more cool shit on her station than you can freaking shake a stick at. So, yeah, I know that's kind of a weird, you know, ism, but the reality of the matter is Georgie D is a Brit living in Australia. Yep, that's the truth. Now, I don't know if that's what makes her an overlord or what, but she's also some kind of a champion. Well, or at least she thinks maybe I might be some kind of a champion. Something about maybe we're champions of the world? I, I don't know. I don't even know. All I know is if you do not have Georgie D on your dial 
as a favorite, you are absolutely, positively missing out on one of the very best shows, one of the very best stations on this platform. So, with all that, let me turn this up just a little bit and celebrate this call-in with me from Miss Georgie D. Mr. Bobby Kuntz, this is your friendly friend, Georgie D. Bobby, you are the champion today because you get the prize for echoing that cello piece, that sweet, that beautiful cello suite by Bach in its entirety. Nobody else has done that, Bobby. That took some commitment to classical music. Okay, so you get the prize. And you're the champion. You brought me fame and fortune and everything that goes with it. I thank you all. Thank you, Bobby. But it's been no better. Oh, thank you. Tachi, I just wanted to take a minute as well and call in regarding the segment where you're taking the time to acknowledge what you heard over on Mark Ward's channel over on the pill and the way that you just decided to go ahead and play a couple of songs for him to help him through the troubling time that he's facing with the two different challenges that his parents have going on his father with vascular dementia and his mother with an unknown diagnosis right now that is obviously very scary you know when there's a mass that was an unknown mass and it's the pancreas then that's scary stuff but I commend you I just wanted to call into your station to commend you for taking the time to honor Mark with thought and song so cool Miss Tachi well listen I just thought I'd take a minute exactly 59 seconds <laughs> maybe not quite that long um, <laughs> to just express my gratitude for you taking the time to do such a detailed job with Mediascope. Every time I turn around, I'm catching a little snippet, a little tidbit, a little piece of information that leads to more information. And that's what you did. You were covering Hulu and how they had their option for HBO and I think it was Cinemax to go with it and one was 15 and one is 10 and you're not really saving you can get that as a standalone from almost anywhere and just the way you compared and contrasted everything so that I could make my own decision to just look at my blank wall instead of another TV subscription service maybe I could just watch TV channeling instead it's story time it's time for a story into the forest. A woman followed a man into the forest. The man was a wolf. The wolf was angry. Amber Lynn was a popular children's performer in St. Paul. On the outside, she was brighter than the sun, a flaming fireball rocket of fun. She could twist colorful balloon flowers, dogs, cats, aliens, Laser blasters, you name it. 
She drummed, she danced, she sang. Everywhere she went, she brought smiles and laughter. She was the positive Pied Piper of the West Side. When she landed on the West Side Farmer's Market on Saturday mornings, she transformed the space in an instant. As silly Miss Tilly in her electrified outfit, with iconic pink hair, she was instantly recognizable. Children erupted with glee. They ran to her, hugged her, sometimes tackled her to the ground. The next hour or so was always a blur of color, laughing children, popping balloons, beating drums, and dancing. The energy she brought to the space raced out at the speed and force of a tsunami, affecting everyone and everything in its path, transforming frowns, worries, fears, and concerns into laughing hearts of joy. Performing was Amber's oasis, a safe house where she could be herself. And while Amber worked in the light, she lived in a forest of fear with a wolf. The wolf was her husband, and he was jealous of her sunshine. He lived only in the shadow of the tree of fear, deep in the dark forest. The wolf was rarely amused, often angry, and always hungry. His name isn't important. We'll just call him Richard. No. On second thought, let's call him Dick. Dick was an abuser. On the inside, Dick was a wolf, and the wolf could appear at any moment. It required no moon, no magic spell to appear. Anything could trigger the transformation. During a 4th of July family outing, the wolf was triggered by a common potion, an overabundance of alcohol, and the opportunity to abuse something, a chicken. Dick turned his ire upon an innocent chicken, kicking it, presumably for his own amusement. The wolf in the hen house attack brought condemnation from the owner and a well-deserved fist to the face. Man quickly turned to wolf, and when Amber intervened, she became the focus of his anger. The wolf stormed off into the forest. Amber raced in after him. Moments after entering the forest, Dick began to growl. Amber, shaking in fear, turned to escape. The wolf pounced, his claws caught in her long black hair, pulling as to rip the scalp from her skull. With open palms he punched. He pushed her down into a dark, cold, shallow pool of water next to the forest path. She was submerged, gasping for breath, every time she managed to push her head upwards out of the muddy pool. He's going to kill me, raced through her mind. He's really going to do it. He's really going to kill me this time. Then the wolf bit her. Dick's teeth sank into her back. While pulling her hair with one fist, he drove his open palm down into her face with the other. Over and over and over again, howling obscenities, ecking off into the trees. Fucking cunt, stupid bitch. He was out of control, and the blood was in his eyes. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, she thought, each time she came up for air. The water, the mud, the rotting leaves, climbing to her face. I'm not going to make it out of here. Struggling to get free, to catch her breath, she pushed her body back against the wolf. Suddenly, his arms were around her throat. The wolf rolled her over. Now both victim and wolf were staring into the trees while she desperately struggled to breathe. She was now lying on top of him, nearly blacking out from lack of oxygen and from the sheer terror that she might not live to see another day. This is it, she thought. The thought raced through her mind as the trees overhead became blurry, all things fading to white. This is it. I'm going to die. No smiles. No laughter. No balloons. No sunshine. No happy children on market morning, only silence in a darkening sky, only fear, the howling of the wolf, and the faint outline of a tree.
And that, my friends, is the introduction to The End of Fear Itself by Steve Bivens. It's an amazing book. It's an incredible book. If you've ever dealt with fear, my strong recommendation is to go to Amazon. Get yourself an e-copy, like $2.99. Buy the book. Story time continues. Why you want to follow me into the forest. A little blonde girl wanders into the forest. A girl in a red scarf carries a basket into the woods. A boy and a girl are abandoned in the trees. Another girl in a blue dress and ruby slippers with her dog drop from a storm cloud and begin a journey down a yellow brick road through a forest full of lions, tigers, and bears. Most of us know these stories. We know how they end. Goldilocks encounters three bears and barely escapes. Little Red Riding Hood was eaten by a wolf while delivering cake and tea to her ailing grandmother, only to be saved by a huntsman. Hansel and Gretel barely escape being eaten by an evil witch. Dorothy and Toto meet a tin man, a scarecrow, and a cowardly lion while being pursued by the wicked witch of the West. There is one central theme to all of these stories. Fear. Fear itself. These fairy stories are indicators of an ancient war against nature, mother nature, and our nature that is still raging today. The fear of nature, of our possible annihilation, has driven us to the brink of realizing the very thing we fear. If we do not cease this war, we will lose it and destroy ourselves along with millions of other species. In the meantime, and maybe even more important to us, the same fears that drive us to destroy nature are destroying our individual lives. Why am I writing a book about fear? There are several reasons. Some are personal. Because I struggle with achieving success, with staying focused, with distractions, with brain spin and overthinking, with fears abundant. Because I know I'm not alone in those fears. Because I know the world can be a better place. Because I know fear is preventing us from creating the world we could have. Because we can't fix the world, we can only fix ourselves. One individual at a time. Looking inward, not outward. Because I genuinely want to help people to live a life of freedom, not of fear. What is this book really about? This book is about why we need to and how we can end fear itself. Fear itself is the only real problem we face. But we can conquer it if we're willing to do the work. Is this book for you? No one is immune to fear. And this book is for anyone who has ever suffered from fear, which is everyone living on the planet. If you were immune, if you were immune, you probably wouldn't be listening to me right now, and you certainly wouldn't be reading the book. I offer this book to those who are struggling in some area of their life, be that work, business, money, relationships, health, you name it, at the root of that struggle, is a fear, most likely several. Every block to your success in life is based 
and fear. Don't believe me? Keep reading. What will you discover? You'll discover the five myths about the world's problems and fear itself. You'll discover the root of all your problems and the world problems. You'll get a handful of proven methods to root out and remove those problems and any that you encounter in the future. And then you ask, who am I to write such a book? Well, that's an excellent question and one that I've asked myself many times in the last eight months or so. This book was born on Anchor version 1. To answer it, I'll reveal one of my innermost fears. Quite frankly, I fear that I am inadequate and unqualified to write this book. I'm not a professional psychologist or psychiatrist. I'm not a sociologist. What I do have is years of experience in analyzing people's lives, first as a friend, then as a personal coach and strategic advisor. Much of what I do is informed by years of training in the history and art of war. I spent the last eight to ten years examining it in detail as a grad student in history and decades longer as an amateur. And is there anything humans do that is more filled with fear than war? Probably not. I'll stop there. That's the beginning to the book. I strongly recommend you get it.